You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to another edition of Beyond the Headlines. I'm your host, Darren Nichols. It's March Madness right now, so you know we're going to talk a little hoops. So with me today is one of my favorite people in the world. Oh, look at you. Um, And she is the former athletic director for the Southfield Public Schools, um, the leader of the hashtag of the No Tuition Crew. Team No Tuition. Team No Crew. Team No Tuition and an outstanding athlete on her behalf, on her behalf, um, it is Miss Anika McEvans. Hey, Darren. And hello. Introduce yourself for those who don't know who you are. Well, you just tell your tell your full background because I I only told a piece of your background. So tell your full background so people know that you know your you know, know, know your my stuff. stuff. Okay. Well, I guess I'll start with how we first met, right, Darren? Uh, I met Darren. He was covering uh, high school basketball at the time as a reporter uh, when I was at Detroit Renaissance High School and uh, playing basketball there with the likes of Marco Dill and Sonia Mays, Nicole Jihad, and uh, brag a little bit. I think that was Renaissance first got rolling, I, in my opinion, as far as girls basketball was concerned. And Grew into a big powerhouse. Uh, played both basketball, softball, volleyball there. Uh, coached for Wait, a long time. I got to stop you at softball. <laughs> Wait a minute now. Okay. Because later in the show, we're going to talk about some of the best. Okay. So Anika is probably between her and Bopper. Yes. Detroit's best softball pitchers. Around, so don't shortchange yourself. Don't shortchange myself. Okay. Don't shortchange yourself on your softball skills. All right. All right. So, so tell the truth. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, Bob. And actually, we all played together on one of the first all-star teams to come out of the Detroit area. So, okay. Yeah, I did all right. Come on. I did all right. Come on. All right. Come on. Yeah. Couple city championships. A couple city championships. Four. (laughs) Yeah. A couple city championships. A couple of. Uh, Some district championships, first regional championship for Detroit Renaissance. Again, really just got softball going in the city of my area, but it of, wasn't me. A bunch of uh, shutouts on your behalf as a pitcher. Quite a few shutouts. Quite a few shutouts. Let's let's not like <laughs> like we're not talking about. Also play shortstop. Yes, a bit. also play shortstop a little bit. So let's not like shortchange your accomplishments. Okay, well, I'll let you. I'll let you do the accomplishments. Oh, okay. I'll just All right. post. Okay, well, I just I just had to make it. Clear. That's okay. Okay, yeah. and now you can continue. Yeah, with, with the and rest uh, of so I was there there at Renaissance, like I said, and went on to uh, attend U of M and coach uh, coached at Renaissance with Mark White um, when Ricky Paulding was there. Um, I left actually to start having my crew team no tuition right before that the first city championship over there at Renaissance. Uh, been, been but been around the game for a long time. Again, as athletic director, Southfield Schools for many years. Um, just you know, all about my kids, all about kids in this area, all about improvement and opportunity. So, big fan of the game. Big fan of the game. Yes, you are absolutely, of course, of course. And so, speaking of the fan that you are, yes, of the game. Um, this weekend is probably a, a very exciting weekend in your household. Absolutely. 
Um, first as a basketball fan. Of course. Great basketball being played for the girls. I mean, yes. On another level. Yes. Secondly, as a mom. Of course. So talk to me a little bit about the synergy that's going on in your house because there's March Madness going on. The boys just finished their season and your son, if if I'm being correct, was probably the leading scorer in Oakland County. This year. Uh, if not the leading scorer, definitely one, one of, of the a, leading scorers. One of the leading scorers. Yep, they're they're totaling up all of the stats right now. Okay. So, so you got that going on. Yep. And your second baby is going after. Going after state championship. Hopefully the, by the, the time this the, airs, the, we'll be announcing them as the state champ. That champs, is true. Right? The first Southfield A&T state champions. Yes, yes, yes. Um, because Monique has won one with Lathrop. Mm-hmm. Michelle. Michelle. Yeah, yeah one, with, one with Lathrop. She 2005. 2005 with Lathrop and Jerry Hughes and all of those folks over there. And so tell me a little bit about how your house is going on right now. Okay. Well, yep, the boys. So the boys, I'll start with the boys. So Cameron, that's my son, um, wrapped up his season, had an awesome senior year. So we're in the middle of his recruiting process right now, him trying to narrow down a decision uh, like most of the boys Really hard for him right now trying to figure it out. Uh, and then, of course, Cheyenne doing an awesome job getting ready for the the state championship. Uh, our household, actually, it's been pretty calm, which I guess could be a good or a bad thing, depending on how you look at it. I'll say a good thing in that Cheyenne's really looking like a kid who's been here before. Okay. You know, uh, really benefited that they were in the Final Four uh, her freshman year, you know, behind Deja Church. So freshman year, she was able to just take it all in as a freshman, kind of a low-pressure situation. Uh, didn't work out the way that, that we wanted it in Southfield, but uh, for her, it was a great experience. Now she's one of the leaders of the team as a junior, and uh, so she's playing some of the best basketball uh, that, that you know she could be playing right now, so that's awesome for the team. Um, but, I mean, Southfield right now, that the whole team is just peaking at all the right, uh, you know, all at the right time right now, so... Uh, really exciting uh, basketball okay. in Southfield area. Yep. So and, we're we're doing all right at home. Okay. All all right is an understatement. <laughs> yeah, we're doing all right at home. What what you listeners ha- will have to know about Anika is that she's going to be very humble and say we just kind of doing all right because we're gonna get to some other stuff about about <sighs> okay. these babies that she got. Yeah. But but well, humble is how we got here though, right? Because there's always a lot true. more work to do. That so. is true. It's a lot more work to do, but but it's but it's all good with that. So, with all of the calmness and everything that's going on, on a slightly different note, talk about the competitiveness in your home, because I know how I was with my brothers. Right. Right. So we battled every day. Yeah. Right. We yeah. played every day in the backyard, and you know. Sometimes you take your L, sometimes you 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 win, right? Right. But you know, first of all, you got a, a boy and a girl, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Well, and and the baby, and the baby who and, really wants no parts of this basketball thing. So she knows the game, but she doesn't want to play at all. Okay. So. Okay. All right. All she right. did a little bit with her middle school team. Okay. But okay. that's about it. She 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 had enough basketball. Okay. Chasing I, the older I, two. I understand. Yeah. I understand that. So talk to me a little bit about the competitiveness. In in terms of them playing, because I'm going to get to some of the other stuff about, yep, the, yep, about yep, their yep. academic accomplishments as well. 
But in terms of basketball, how competitive are they together? And then when the, and then when they play, do they play against other teams and take take each other on the same team, or do they play against each other? Okay. So uh, first of all, I will say that uh, right now Cameron is is a proud brother. I will say that you know we don't we don't have that type of co- competition sure, going on in the house. You know, um, part of it I think is because he knows that everything she is 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 partially because of the beatings that he gave her early on. Okay, right, having to match up with Big Brother. Um, so they're not competitive in that way. As far as on the basketball court, I honestly can't tell you the last time they played against each other because Cheyenne is a piece of work. Right. 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 She's um she gets real physical, real emotional. She's not going to take it ill, you know, too lightly. So it's kind of tough being the big brother and having your sister, you know, you, you don't want to take her out. Right. So uh, they don't usually play. They haven't played against each other in quite a while. Okay. They will take on all comers in the gym. though. Right. Right. So they do a lot more of that okay. uh, of, of playing other people okay. yeah, than they do each other. OK. OK. Mm-hmm. So let's get to the debate. OK. All right. Because over the weekend. The debate was whether Imani Bates mm-hmm. from Ypsilanti Lincoln, yep. who won a state championship this weekend, yep. is the along best, with his team, along with his team, because because he didn't do it alone, absolutely not, and he didn't take the last shot of the game, the last two shots of the game, correct? Um, I was there, but his teammates they stepped came, up, they stepped up and absolutely. came through, and throughout the whole tournament, it was a team effort. Now, absolutely, he, he put in work. By, yes, absolutely. Don't, don't get don't get it twisted. He put in work, absolutely. But on the games when they beat King, they shut him down. Right. He had eighteen, but his teammates had to step their games up in order to get past a very tough King team that plays very tough defense. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're well coached. Well coached. Well coached. Team. Right. By my boy George Ward. Yeah, George Ward. George George G does his thing. Absolutely. Okay? So. If anybody was going to have anybody ready, it was going to be oh, King. Oh, absolutely. Right? So the question is, is Imani the best ever? And so I put out on Facebook right. last, I saw the post. The, yep. last weekend my, my best, and they were Chris Weber, Willie Mitchell, Kelvin Tolbert, Desmond Farmer, Deion Harris. Now, now we need to clarify. This is best as freshman, right? Best as freshman. Okay. Best as, that changes as, the argument a little yes, bit, right? Best as freshman because we don't know what they're going to turn out to be. Right. Right. Absolutely. And so the question, and even within this question, with these five, we don't know what kind of player Antoine Jobert was as a freshman. We know him. We remember him as a sophomore, sophomore junior, junior senior, senior. Right. And the era was a little bit different. Completely different. Completely different. But within that thread, other people that were mentioned was Twan, Monte Morris, Derek Walton Jr., Ramar Smith, Tracy Smith, Josh Jackson, Pat Ford, and Mark Macon. Okay. All of these guys are worthy of being on that list. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so for you, mm-hmm. who is the top freshman? Okay. And why do you put why do you rank them where they are and can you make a distinction between the two because of the eras upon which they played because because it is different yeah. because they are different. So, 
uh, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier to you before we got on air. I think that Imani, it, it hurts him to be playing in the era that he's playing in, in this conversation. Okay. Because Chris Weber, who is my pick for top freshman, um, played in an era, number one, where all the top kids, they couldn't leave the state, number one. Um, but there was also just, uh, a t- he had a tougher schedule on day in and day out, you know, to be able to show himself on the the best stages with the best players day in and day out. Um, and I also think Imani, by design, was built to be a 6'8 guard, whereas at the time that Chris Weber was coming up, there was no, I mean, there were a few coming through the ranks, but you didn't design your game to be a 6'8 guard, right? You, If you were 6'8", you, you had to develop a post game first, foremost. Then you extended, you know, like the Jalen Rose and, you know, guys like that. But they still had to have some level of post game to take advantage of those mismatches. Right. And Imani's growing up in an era where there's no emphasis for him on that. Not to slight him, but it's just a different, you know, era. And I'll point to during the championship game, Imani had 5'9", uh, Montgomery was checking him, 5'9", guard. Never once... Any type of post, never once any type, you know, of, of backing him down, nothing like that. It was all jump shots, all, you know, skill, things like that. And I think the fact that Chris Webber, to me, had a little bit of all of that was what made him a dominant factor during the era where he was playing against other dominant forces. Okay. That Imani just doesn't see or okay. hasn't seen yet. Right. I do think that Imani, when it's all said and done, should he be in Michigan for the four years, will add all those additional pieces to his game right. and come out as one of the number ones to lead the state. Right. And for me, C Webb was 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 the best. That's who I chose yeah. as the best. Um I was speaking with my brother earlier. I remember seeing Chris um as a ninth grader with my own eyes. Me too. Um my brother played AAU against Super Friends. Okay. So he was on a cast team that finished third in the city. That year, okay. um, you're talking about AJ Afalde. Um, uh, there was uh, my brother um, and a number of of like Juan Hill, who ended up leading Cleveland State. Was one of Cleveland State's leading rebounders when he right. was all done mm-hmm. with his career. Um, Leonard Bush played on that team, um, and Leonard Bush was an eighth grader right. at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, and they got beat by 45. And and Chris <laughs> Webb had like 40 or 44 in right. that game. Mm-hmm. And so he did some things that as a ninth grader right. um, was unbelievable. And so when you see these kinds of things with your your own eyes, yeah. um, it, it changes the conversation. Right. Um, I've seen Willie. Um, I've known Willie since he was 12. Okay. Um, you know, when I saw Kelvin Tolbert, right? Me and my me and one of my best friends, we went to Breslin to see them play in the semifinal. And we were looking in, you know, the 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 program saying, "Who is this senior?" See, right. Because he was big <laughs> and strong and muscular and he was going to the basket tough. And then we're asking around in the crowd. They're like, he's a ninth grader. He's a freshman. And we were like, there is no No way way in the world (laughs) this guy's a ninth grader. Right. Right. But he was. Right. And so 
I mean, and you can't, I mean, I mean, again, the reason why Scotty, meaning Deion Harris, okay, ended up going up to play in Akron was because they wanted to face off the who was the best freshman the best. in the country. And so because Keith Dambrot and um uh the coach of referent um uh and his coach uh Dion's coach they wanted to find out who was the, the best, best right between between the two and so they ended up playing each year um down in Akron right. as a result and so he was on that level he's not LeBron now right you know what I mean? Yeah. However, I mean. Well, he just had that Detroit tough edge, though, too. I think I think Dion, part of what, what took him to that next level, you know, there's something to be said for, you know, our hometown Detroiters, right? There's a, a certain toughness and will to win that we bring that can't be measured in anybody's stat book. Uh, and I think that, to me, is what an edge that Dion had when he was, he was playing not necessarily all of the um, dominant in every category. Let me put it that way. And it's and it was also to me with Dion. Um, I think we took him for granted. Yeah, he was so good and he was so skilled smooth. and was so smooth and could get twenty like it was nothing that we kind of took it for granted. Right. Um, and then when he got to Michigan, we we kind of thought that he leveled off when he was still the same. same. Yeah. Dion, right? Like, you can put Dion against anybody, and he get he still get a fifteen. Oh yeah, points and you're gonna play a game, you, you and, and he mean. doesn't necessarily even sometimes I he wouldn't even look like the star of the game until you actually got the stats back when the game, you know, because sometimes he did again almost by accident. You know, he was gonna score points for you again almost effortlessly. Right, right. All right, so we're gonna get into the same thing on the girls' side. Okay, all right. So my fit one of my faves. One of your faves, yeah. Rakia Jackson, is the only girl from Detroit who has made the McDonald's All-American team. She tried out for Team USA. Um, but I want you to compare her to some of the other greats from Detroit and statewide. So we're talking Deborah, Deborah Walker, mm-hmm. who at Cheney State led them to the Final Four. And held the scoring record in Michigan at sixty three points for thirty seven years. Yeah, you're talking so the young about young lady from Benton Harbor, right? Uh, yes, until, right. Tell the young lady from Benton two Harbor. Two years ago, maybe uh, was it two three, years ago? three years, three years ago. ago? Okay, three years ago. Um, you're talking about Deidre Charles, who won national championship at Tennessee. Peggy Evans, who yeah. did her thing at Tennessee. Lori Aaron, who as a senior, they flirted with her playing on the boys, boys. team and took Iowa t- or and took Iowa to the Iowa. final four. Yep. Um, you're talking Marquita Aldrich, who was in the WNBA with the Gave Washington. Gave it to us at Renaissance. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> who played with the Washington Mystics. Uh Stacy Lovelace, uh Tweety Nolan. Um and another one of our favorites, Aaron Reed. Mm-hmm. 
Now you, you can toss it my my couple of my uh, Max and Reese. You talking right? Max McGee twins coming right, out of Flint, right? right. You know? McGee twins, <laughs> Max. You go on and on and on and on yeah. and on, right? Yeah. So where does she stack up with that? And and what do you th- what what do you think about the debate uh, when when it revolves around the girls' game because it's slightly different, right? Because the girls' game has evolved from when Deborah Walker was playing in the the 70s and early 80s to what the game is now. Because back in the early 80s and and particularly early 80s going to the 90s and 2000s, um, particularly girls of color weren't allowed to play. Right. Um, And they weren't allowed to let loose. Well, and that's what right. I mean by by play, <laughs> right? Um, because they all had phenomenal skills, absolutely. Um, and they grew up playing against the boys, um, and statewide, those almost frowned upon, right? Their physicality was, and and in the NCAA, totally was frowned upon, absolutely. Um, and you know, you're talking about taking a girl like Nikita Lowry from Cass. Right. Um, and she goes to Ohio State and she was as bad as anybody. The Lowry family is, you know, kind of legendary. Right. Um, in the Detroit basketball circles. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, um, they didn't get the kind of numbers that some of the other girls got. Right. So let's talk a little bit about okay. that. Well, so I think that Rakia benefits almost from the the flip side of what we were talking about with Imani, right? When you talk about who's the absolute best based on the era that they played in. Um, number one, I'll, I'll just leave with saying, I believe that Rakia, rightfully so, right now is being named as one of the best, if not the best, in my opinion, to come out of Michigan. But I think she benefits from playing right now when she's playing, uh, whereas a lot of the other women that we we talked about, they were hindered by, you know, again, their physicality. You've got whether it's refs, opponents, everybody trying to contain, you know, that physicality, trying to, you know, minimize their dominance on the court. And all of them dealt with that from high school all the way through, you know, college. Whereas now the women's game, women's game has evolved to a point where players like Rakia can be physical. They can be finesse. You know, um, they can do it all. And it's not, again, it's not frowned upon in the same way. So I think she benefited, you know, from that. She also benefits. She has a tremendous work ethic. Right. So every year, those of us who who had the pleasure of watching her and seeing her, she's added a little bit to her game every single year. Um, She hasn't even hit her peak, which is the scary part. Right. She's not even as physical you know, as she as she could be because she's been able to dominate with so many other pieces. So imagine what she's going to do on the next level, you know, with a little bit more of the physical development Um, and her athleticism. I mean, we saw off the charts. We saw the the the, uh, video the other day where she almost dunked. Yeah. Off the charts. You know what I mean? Yeah. She would already been dunking if uh, she if she wanted to. I'm I'm pretty sure, you know, if if she wanted to, she would already have been doing it. Right. You know, so. Um, but, I mean, she's playing right now. I mean, Monique is an awesome coach, has done a great job with, you know, letting her shine um, as well as her whole team. You know, and I think, again, that's another thing with Rakia that she benefits from. She has an amazing supporting cast over there at Edison, too. 
you look good when you've got people passing you the ball, giving you the ball in the right positions to score, you know, things like that. So, and you're number, what, number three in the country? <laughs> yeah. You know. And you play all the top teams. And you play you know, all Mo- of the top teams. Monique doesn't shy away from anybody. Right. She goes after the best competition. So, uh, Rakia, I mean, by far, I don't think anybody, I don't even think the women on the list, if you ask them, you know, would, would say that she wasn't the best right now. Okay. In my opinion. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I mean. That's why I'm here, though, right? To give my opinion. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know I'm biased, right? Yeah, okay. You know, I mean, I've known mom. I've known Cayenne since, again, since she was 12. In fact, I met she and Willie on the same day. Oh, at the, really? At the PAL gym. Okay. I was working at the PAL gym, and they were coming down to the PAL gym all the time. And okay. so, you know, when you see kids like that and you see them grow into – Adults, they grow into for Cayenne motherhood, right? Oh yeah. Um, and she's a a phenomenal mom. Oh like, my god, awesome! Um, and I don't know her personally. Um, I've only met her once personally, but um, I mean the product, right, speaks for itself, right? right? Rakia is not just an amazing basketball player; she's an amazing, amazing kid, person, right? Amazing right? person. Again, I I'll challenge you. Have you ever seen her not smiling? I haven't. Right? <laughs> I don't think any. I mean, I don't think anybody has. You know, I mean. Just to see her opening the birthday card that yep. she got, yeah, that um, was an awesome. Earlier last, earlier uh, this week, mm-hmm. when she was announced as being Miss Basketball on her birthday, right? Um, and to see the pure joy, um, yeah. that that warmed my heart. Yeah. Um, but it also there are a lot of kids now who think basketball is a job. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And she genuinely loves the game. Right. And that's what I like about her more than anything else um, is that she genuinely loves the game and she wants to be good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what separates. Well, I won't say separates because all of the women. I was going to say that, the whole game. I, I mean, right now you talk about the basketball that's happening this weekend or would have happened this weekend when this airs. I mean, I think it's some of the best girls basketball that maybe we've ever seen yeah. in, in Michigan in terms of game after game after game of competitiveness. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Been amazing if, if depths were in division one this year. Yeah. Right. I to mean, see how those, yeah, those all those matchups and everything match-ups would have shook out. And, yeah. 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 Cause again, some of the best girls are playing. Uh, this, but that's this good though. Absolutely. I love it. You know, that's why I said, I mean, not just as a mom, but as, as right. a fan, I mean, as, a fan as, as a, as a, 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 a person who loves basketball beyond you can yeah. imagine. Yeah, um, the girls are getting all the recognition and coverage and everything else, right, that we wished for, right? Yes, you know, absolutely. with my generation when we absolutely. were coming up, you know, they're getting equal footing as far as, you know, stage uh, with the guys and, you know, gym time and everything else. So it's an awesome time to, to be around girls basketball right now. And 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 on that note, I, it, I just thought of this question. How much has putting um, the girls in the same season with the boys helped with – um, making sure that the girls' game is on an equal footing as as the boys, right. because we were one of the few states for for listeners who don't understand. Um, we were one of I think three states in America that uh held basketball in the fall, right? And about maybe a decade ago, yep, maybe a twelve years ago, maybe twelve years mm-hmm. ago, we switched to where the, both the boys and the girls. Um, are in the same season right and, and it was fought 
Yep, absolutely. Um, they, folks That's didn't tough. want it done. But are we seeing some of the recognition, some of the accolades, some of the attention on the girls game now because they are now playing in the same season? Well, I think, uh, unfortunately, we're not quite over the hump where it it um, is equally balanced throughout. Right. I think it depends on program, you know, area. Um, Southfield A&T, for example, um, the girls have had so much success in Southfield. So there wasn't there's not a choice but to give them equal gym time, equal you know coverage and things like that. But I don't think that's universal across the state. I think you still have a lot of schools where the girls are still fighting within their locality. Right. To get the, the same amount of coverage and things like that. There's still battles going on for gym time. Who gets the prime time? You know, things like that. Um, I wasn't a fan when we did the switch. OK. Right. Partially because, of course, you want to do things the way you've always done them. OK. But the other thing is, once you get past that, you do start to realize that there still is a battle for officials. So if there's a boys game and a girls game going on in the same night, unfortunately or fortunately, uh, depending on if you're on the boys or the girls side. Typically, the best officials are still assigned on the boys absolutely, side. Absolutely. And so you do have some of the girls games that, you know, suffer a little bit. I do think with the evolution of the girls game, though, and again, the quality that's being played at the parity, you're starting to see more and more uh, girls at higher levels across teams. So you're having more teams that are having more success with high level players. Some of that is balancing out a little bit more, but we're still not there yet. We're still not there yet. We're playing at Calvin College this weekend. The boys were at Michigan right, State last right, weekend. Absolutely. And that, that you know, for me, that kind of bothered me. Yeah. No, it, bo- it bothered us as well. Calvin College, I mean, Calvin, the stadium is, is an awesome, pl- it's a beautiful place beautiful to play. Facility. But it's, it's still but it's not, not, it's still the not Breslin, Breslin, right? You know, so. You know, yeah. I mean, you still want to play at Breslin. Of course I, I you mean, do. That's what you grew yeah, up. Yeah. The girls, it's, it's disappointing for the girls yes, to be going to Calvin absolutely. College. Absolutely. And, and there's not even a huge, you know, girls basketball presence, you know, following around Calvin. Absolutely. You know, right. yeah, my absolutely. opinion was if they were going to move it, they I would even like to if they were going to move it in distance wise, they could have played at Central Michigan. Those stands are packed right. for girls basketball absolutely. games. You and know, they, had, they have great teams up there. Right. I mean, great teams. They great went to following. The Sweet 16 last yeah. year. You want to be know. where you have a following for the girls yeah. game, not just shout out to Tanara Moore. <laughs> I know her mother. Yeah. Nicole. I mean, shout out to her. I mean, she. You know, she yeah. did her thing with Central Michigan last year. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Raina Frost era. this year, yeah, you know, Raina doing Frost. doing a great job now with up there at Central. So, okay, shouts out, couple shout outs. Yeah, couple shout outs. We we gotta we gotta get them in when we can. Yeah, absolutely. Give as much recognition and they, as we and can. they deserve it. Absolutely. Right? No, you know, awesome to watch. It. Awesome to watch. So, switching back. All right. Um, back into mom mode. Okay, mom mode. Check. So what? Not that you started off this way, mm-hmm. right? But what makes a D1 athlete? Okay. And also talk about the investment it takes to get your children to that level. Because I don't yeah. think that a lot of parents or a lot of our listeners who are not involved in the game, those who are involved in the game at a high level, Mm -hmm. they understand what it takes to become a D1 player. Right. Some of them. Some of them do. Right. Some of them have false dreams of what their kid is. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's tough. In terms of, 
I think my kid's a D1 player and they're not a D1 player. Yeah. Very true. So what what does it take to do that? How did how did you navigate that system? And you know, what does it what does it take? Well, I'll say um I mean, first of all, being de- developing a great Division One athlete is, um, I would say, similar to to having a kid that's great in anything, right? Um, is that they have to be committed to the craft, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a great musician, it's just a great student, you know, um, a great server of other, you know, whatever it is that makes you great is kind of, I think, all the same, no matter what the um, what the specific area is so I think the first thing is just commitment the the kid has to be committed to being great right um unfortunately I think some of our parents they're committed to their kid being great but they they aren't tapped in with if their kid is being committed to being great because for Cheyenne specifically on this road she's had to make a lot of personal sacrifices and give up a lot of things that other kids don't have to give up You know, she's not at a lot of parties on weekends. You know, we don't do a whole lot of family vacations outside of AAU seasons. You know, um, their Christmas under the tree is, you know, basketball shoes, knee pads, ankle braces, you know, not necessarily the latest and greatest of high fashion because, you know, money is being spent, you know, elsewhere. So and she's been doing that since she was five years old. So she didn't get here by accident. It was a Again, a constant commitment, constant, you know, dedication and sacrifice along the way. Um, there's also I like to tell people, you know, it's also a little fairy dust kind of that has to get caught up in the mix. Right. She's 5'10". Right. Yeah, <laughs> or, you know, for a, a, a girl. Right. That's that's tall, especially when you think about for a guard. Um, so that definitely helps her. Uh, I think she got a comp- good combination of athleticism from her mom and her dad that, that helped her a little bit. But the biggest thing is just her commitment. Uh, just a little, just a little bit. bit. But just... I, th- I think the biggest thing is, is her just commitment to um, to just being great in everything that, you know, she does. Um, it, and, and her competitive nature is, is by far uh, greater than a lot of kids that I that I've worked with and been around. So. Okay. Um, and. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna stick on to the kids portion, yeah, because we want to inform our listeners about your children being well rounded. Oh yeah, right. And you know, when I see your kids, they're very well rounded. Right? Thank you. Um, and so talk to me a little bit about the academic portion of it for you. Yeah. Um. You know, I would like to say that your kids are like a parent's dream, right? They're super smart. Okay. Um, they're great athletes. I'm presuming that they are quite popular in school. Um, and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so talk to me a little bit about that. Okay. Um, and and also again, knowing your background, knowing that you graduated from high school with a 3.9. 3.9. You know. Yeah. 32 um, ACT. 32 ACT. <laughs> um, obviously, genes plays a part of that yeah. as well. Right. But how much of an emphasis did you put on, I'm sure you did, on the academic portion as much as the athletic side of it? Yeah, well, the the academic side was always first, right? I mean that that's a that for in our household at least was was a given. Um, 
you know, Cheyenne right now is number one in her class um, over at Southfield. And, and my son, Cameron, I think he's like 30 out of 290 or something like that in their, you know, in their class. Just got his first 4.0, you know, the last semester. But for us, it again, academics was always first, but there was always that same level of commitment and dedication. And I just believe it's we believe in our kids doing their absolute best in anything that you're going to do, whatever that is. If you're going to, again, in the classroom, you're going to do your absolute best. Does that mean that your kid is always a 4.0? No, it doesn't. But as a mom, I know my kids and you know your children, you know, as a dad, we want their absolute best and we demand their absolute best all the time. And the same thing is with basketball. If you're going to do it, then we want to do it, you know, to the absolute best of, of our ability. Every year I've always had the conversation with my kids. I've said, look, you could put this basketball thing down today if that's what you want to do. But if you're going to do it, then we're going to do it all out. You know, we're going to finish what we started. And every year they came back with the same answer. Nope, I'm, you know, I'm back at it again. It's the same thing with their academics and everything that, you know, that we do. And I think that as parents overall, you know, with all the children that we raise, because I look at all these kids as as my kids, <laughs> people will say, we have to just raise that level of expectation of them. We have to demand excellence of them all the time. And if we did more of that, more of our kids would be better positioned, whether it be for basketball, football, just the academics, you know, just as a student. But we've got to raise that bar um, that I think even you and I grew up, you know, wasn't just our parents, you know, that were on our head about our grades and stuff. I mean, it was more universal throughout our neighborhoods that people were held to some higher standards. Well, I had a whole school. (laughs) I I mean, when your dad was the boss. Right. Yeah. True, true, true. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's a level of accountability um, with everything in terms of me. Right. Um, and everything that I did when I walked into the gym. Oh, yeah. I had 10. Coaches. You still walk with that. that I had 10. Level of accountability. I had 10 coaches on my head. Nick, where are you supposed to be? Right. Yeah. What class you supposed to be? Coach, I got lunch this hour. Right. Show me your ID. Prove them. Because they understood that there was a level of accountability back on them yeah. if I wasn't held accountable, if I wasn't doing my best. Yeah, but your dad was also that for every child that, you know, came in front of him for for years. And again, even now, his legacy of that, you know, continues to live on because there was that level of excellence for everyone. And that's what I'm saying is we as a community sure, have absolutely. to do more of that and hold our kids, not just the ones that are in our household, but our whole community to higher, you know, standards. And we'll see more kids doing their absolute best. I mean, and the biggest thing in, in my household was that I recall with my dad um, was to compete. Yep. That it didn't matter what you were in, whatever you're in, you have to compete. So it was that and your will to play basketball. Okay. Has to outweigh everything else that you want to do in life. If you want to be a ball player. Right. There are certain things you're not going to do. Yep. Yep. That sacrifice. Um, And so. I mean, I can tell you, well, let me let me take a step back because most listeners don't know who my dad was. OK, yeah. Uh, my dad was Charles Nichols. Um, he was a longtime coach um, uh, at Kettering High School, um, coached under Dick Vitale at the University That's of Detroit true. and eventually um, ran athletics for the Detroit Public Schools. So that's why I mentioned earlier that, you know, my 
coaches were on my head all the time because my dad was their boss. Right. And, and but, so he he mentioned he always getting back to what I was talking about. He always said you had to compete and you had to have a will to be successful yeah. in everything that your will for basketball or whatever you do has to outweigh um your desire to get mixed up in your desire to else, get right? mixed up in everything else so i can recall the day that Lynn bias died okay um i cried like a baby okay um but i vowed from that day forward that i would never take, take drugs take it for granted oh okay Okay. Never. From that day. From that day forward. And I hadn't taken drugs before then. Right. But that did it for me. Mm-hmm. That was my signature moment, right? Okay. The basketball player that on a day like today, when the NCAA tournament is on, I'm in front of my TV and I'm watching and he's putting in work, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And the star that or the guy that I believed was a star, he dies from a cocaine overdose. Mm-hmm. Right. So my will to be a great basketball player was, oh, no, I can't do that. Take that off the list. You can <laughs> you can take that off the list. Right. And you won't ever have to ask me about that. And that wasn't anything other than my dad saying that your will to be great. Right. Um, has to outshine the things that you do. But it wasn't anything in, in my household where where my dad said, well, you shouldn't take drugs because drugs are bad for you. Right? right. It was really. I recognized at that point. No, nah, this ain't for me. Right. Kind of thing. And so I think. At some point, we all get to those signature moments. Yeah, absolutely. Um where you have to make a choice, where you have to make that decision. And basketball, sometimes if you're going to be a ball player or softball or football yeah, or, or track or whatever it is that you're in or volleyball mm-hmm. um, or whatever it is, is going to keep you away from something that, that was a, a bad influence on you. Absolutely. Uh, And and again, to your, you know, your original question about what does it take to, you know, create a division or end up with a division one athlete at the end of, you know, that whole process is those kids that make it to that status have consistently made those decisions throughout their whole life. Right. You know, they consistently have chosen the gym over the social. Right. They've consistently chosen, you know, their team over you know other kids not that they don't have socialized outside of basketball but if there's a choice to be made they consistently choose those things and then when you see kids that are not necessarily at that division one level but are at you know other levels if you were honest as parents okay and you look at their development and you look at where they are they haven't consistently made those choices over time and that's not a a knock on anyone it's just an honest assessment and that's what we have to to do as parents when we're taking, you know, taking our kids through this process. Even something I had to deal with in my own household. You know, Cheyenne's on track to be a Division One athlete by far. Cameron will probably settle in more to a Division Two. You know, not because he can't play the game of basketball, 
Uh, but number one, he's 5'10", so that doesn't help him. They're the same height, so it helps her. It doesn't help him. Right. But also, just being honest, he didn't consistently um, make the same level of sacrifice that, that Cheyenne did. He, okay. had, he had some other interests as well. Um, and then also, like this past year, he had some moments, um, some some gut checks. Okay, you know where where there the question was. Okay, this kid is outplaying you right now. How are you going to respond? Okay, and uh, he could have responded in the gym all the time, and that wasn't always his response. Okay, so it's not surprising that he's at where he's at now. You know, he's tackling this decision making process a little bit differently. Um, he's he's gotten that back where that consistency is is back for him. But again, over the entirety of his career, he had those moments. And, you know, that's just being honest as a parent. And so on the same thing, has high school athletics gotten a little too serious? And sort of why? I mean, because you've got parents who are trying to fire coaches. (laughs) They're yelling at their kids from from the stands. They're yelling at officials. Right. Um. They're doing all kinds of things um, that other parents didn't do before. Right. Um, And they are more engaged in what's going on. And so has it gone too far? And what is what is making it go too far? Is it is it the. The prospect of my child becoming the next LeBron James that's driving parents to be mm-hmm. um, as serious as they are? Or is it just a product of the times? Because you have parents now who sue school districts because they have problems on a snow day. Right. right? So we're in a, in a different kind of era just in general. Yeah. And has that seeped into sports or is it more about the end game of my kid has to become a pro is pro or bust. So um, I think it's actually more a sign of the times than it is necessarily um, the pro piece. I do believe you have some parents who, you know, professional status is, is their care and it drives a lot of the things that they do. But I think for the average parent, these kids are just growing up, unfortunately, in a time of entitlement where the kids and their parents um, feel entitled to certain things and they have more access, right? Whether it's because the school districts are giving them more access, you know, with you've got Twitter, email, you know, there's a million ways you can talk to the superintendent, school board, parents, things like that, you know, that we didn't have or our parents didn't, didn't have. Um, but there's also, again, this era versus our era, our parents wouldn't have dared Right. Come in the gym and question coaching decisions and and things like that. And I actually think we need to get back to a little bit of that. You know, as I I call myself the momager to people, you know, um, and I tell them all the time, it was my job to seek out programs that had great coaches for my children to play with. And then it was time for me to trust their coaches and step back. And more parents need to make that distinction. Do the work up front because that's your job as a parent. Put your kids around good people. Put your kids in good programs, research programs, put them in good positions. But then you have to trust the process and step back and, and just let it, you know, evolve how it's going to evolve. And unless your child is being harmed, then you have to let your kid fight those battles for themselves and figure it out. And they will if you if you let them. Okay. Okay. 
And we're running close on the end of all time. Right, all right. So uh, before you leave, give me your final thoughts on everything that we've kind of talked about today. And Well, um, I'll just say that, you know, it's a really exciting time to be um, around the, the state of, ba- I mean, the, the sport of basketball right now in the state of Michigan. I know that there's some things that we're kind of behind the times on or that people complain about. But I think if we all remember, you know, what it's about at its core, it's about our kids it's about our kids getting the best experience and the best out of themselves that they can possibly get. And as adults, I think if we put our emphasis on giving them the resources they need to be great, if we focus on putting them in good situations, then let them shine and take ourselves out of the spotlight, then the experience will be better for everybody. Okay. Well, thank you, Anika. No, I, thank you for having you me. appreciate you for being on Beyond the Headlines. And for that, we will sign off and we will see you next week.